chapter 8, verse 17. Romans 7, in the Pew Bible, page 1117. Romans 7, beginning at verse 14 and reading to verse, uh, or chapter 8, verse 17. And the sermon text is 8, verses 5 to 13. Romans 7.14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my minds and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, and then it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. 
For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we might also share in His glory. Shall we stand to sing? Again, our text is Romans 8, verses 5 to 13. One of my elders, Jack Holman, is here. He heard this sermon this morning. Now I've got to change it up. I'll do my best. Romans 8, verses 5 to 13, brothers and sisters, and our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, Romans 7 and 8, he speaks on behalf of Christ and he speaks with the Spirit and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus, as we know and as we particularly get a picture of him in in Revelation 1, is a king of glory. And he demands everything. Even as he said, look, unless you lose your life for my sake, you will not find it. Unless you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. He demands everything. And yet we also know from Isaiah 42 that he will not snuff out a smoldering wick. He will not break a bruised reed. That is, his people, his children, faltering, fumbling along, limping along in the Christian life, struggling against sin, struggling with doubts, struggling with mental illness, struggling with spiritual darkness. He will not snuff out that smoldering wick. He will not break that bruised reed. He is gentle and He is lowly. He is the perfect Savior, the glorious King, who has lived the perfect life for us and yet is not the kind of Savior and Lord who then beats us up, who sets such a high standard for us and yet doesn't help us along. No, He gives what He demands. He is the Savior who is communicated to us in Romans 7 and in Romans 8. On the one hand, through the Apostle Paul, he he reminds us that in this life we will always struggle with sin. The Apostle Paul speaks of himself. He speaks personally saying, the good I don't want to do, or, or the stuff I don't want to do, that's what I do. And the good I want to do, I don't do. I delight in the law of God. I want to do what's right. I am a new man. I'm a new creature in Christ. And yet, here's this remaining sin. Here is this sin nature, or in the older language, uh, the sinful flesh that still lives in me and this war that's going on. Oh, wretched man that I am. On the one hand, that's the grievous and painful experience of the Christian. And the Lord Jesus offers us his forgiving grace. He's patient and he is kind. He is our righteousness. We can never be the righteousness that God requires, but Christ is. And so, we bless the Lord for the gift righteousness that He has given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have forgiving grace every day. The beginning and at the end of every day. So that on the one hand. On the other hand, we're also called to be Romans 8 Christians. 
The Apostle Paul says, yes, we are, most of our lives, we're just limping along. But that does not mean we should be content to give sin the last word. We should not be those who think, well, I, thanks, thanks be to God for his forgiving grace. I guess that's where, I am. that's where I'm at. I'm just going to always struggle with this sin. At least I'm forgiven. Paul says, no, no. You're also a Romans 8 Christian. The Spirit of God lives in you if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have an obligation then, not, not to the flesh, not to the sin nature, but to the spirit of holiness, to, the, to Christ who bought you, to the spirit who lives in you. Press on, carry on, grow, put sin to death. Move forward in the Christian life. A Roman seven, as Roman 7 Christians, we struggle with sin and we're often faltering along. As Romans 8 Christians, we remember sin, the sin nature is a foreign invader. It is a squatter. It doesn't belong here. Christ is my king. I am a new creature. The spirit lives within me. I can change. In fact, I must change. That's the command given to me. As Christ by his spirit lives in me and gives me all the resources that I need to change. In a sense, then there's no excuse. Move on. And so, we're called to be those Roman 8 Christians as well. That will be our theme for the sermon this afternoon, that the road to salvation, the road to salvation is lived in reliance upon the Spirit. The road to salvation is lived in reliance upon the Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity. A person, not a force, not an impersonal, um, impersonal force, but no, a truly a person. God himself who has taken up residence in the life of each uh, child of God. So the road to salvation is lived by reliance upon the Spirit. First of all, we'll look at the way of death. The way of death, which is the way of the flesh or the way of the sin nature. When I use the word flesh, that's because I'm, I wrote this sermon based on the New King James Version which uses the word flesh instead of sin nature. But remember, those two are the same things. The sinful flesh is the sin nature. So first we'll look at the way of death. Secondly, the way of life. That is the way of the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, there's this call. Choose life. The way of death, verses 5 to 8. The way of life, 9 to 11. And then verses 12 and 13. How, then should, we li- how, how should we then live? will choose life. The life that you've been given by Christ in the Spirit. First of all, the way of death. Verses 5 to 8. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature, on what that nature desires. We are all conceived and born in sin. In Adam, that is our default setting. That we are born in sin, we are by nature children of wrath, we are dead in trespasses and sins. That's the natural man, as older theologians would put it. That is the sin nature. And so those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. So the minds in Paul's writings is not just the intellect or reason, it includes our inmost self, our feelings, our affections, our wills. It's the control center of of who we are. 
And so those who, who, who live according to the sin nature have their minds set. They cherish that. They cherish sin. They are pro-sin and anti-God. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. That is righteousness and holiness and life. The mind of sinful man, verse 9, the mind of sinful man is death. That is, if we choose the way of sin, that is ultimately the way of death, both now and into eternity. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The Lord Jesus in John 5, verses 24 and 25, says if you believe in the Son, you have already passed from death into life. That is, once you were spiritually dead, you were dead to God. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you were brought from the realm of sin and death and into the realm of life in Christ. Life that begins already now and that grows and increases into eternity. And that comes to its culmination in the new creation. But those who reject Christ, he says, they have no life in them. They are the walking dead. Why? Because the sinful mind, or we can say this, the, the, the life that is controlled by the sin nature is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So at the root of our disobedience, at the root of sin, is a hatred for God. That is our default nature. That is what we are conceived and born in unless the Spirit of grace comes and does a work in our hearts. That is who we are in our inmost self apart from the Spirit of grace. We don't just do bad stuff. We don't just mess up. We don't just uh, break rules. We are in our heart of hearts opposed to God, separated from Him, at enmity with Him. There is a, a, an infinite chasm between He and us that we cannot cross. We will not submit to God's law. In fact, we cannot do so. It does not submit. The sin nature does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And this is what we in Reformed theology call total depravity or total inability that human beings set apart from God's grace are completely sinful in everything they think, say, and do. They're slaves of sin and completely unable and uninterested in responding to God. And only God's powerful grace can overcome that rebellion and draw us to the Savior. Yes, even the human even the human being who is lost in sin and against God can still put on outward civic good things. As the saying goes, even Hitler could have kicked his dog one more time. We can always be worse. Yes, unbelievers are still capable of good things in a sense. But the thing is, apart from faith, Romans 14 verse 23 says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. That is, even if we put on outward displays of goodness and good deeds, if it all proceeds from a heart that is opposed to God, well, verse 8 says those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. We can think of, that, think of an illustration of a king. 
who trains his soldiers, gives them good gifts of training for warfare to fight in his army, but then they forsake him and they fight instead for a rebel army. Well, they've been given those good gifts. They've been trained by him, but now that training is in service against him. It cannot please the king. And that is who we are in the sin nature apart from the Holy Spirit. We are dead in sin. Unable and uninterested to respond to God. Totally lost and committed to that sin nature. That is the life that is lived according to the sin nature or according to the sinful flesh. That's the way of death. The way of sin cannot produce life. It can only produce more death now and in eternity. But, says the Apostle Paul, there's a way of life. And he says, that, that's your way. That describes you. When he's speaking to the church. He's speaking to the Christians in Rome. Paul, when he speaks to the churches, he doesn't put a big question mark over their heads. Like, I don't know if you're Christians or not. He can't see anybody's hearts. But in the judgment of charity, as we say, he, those, those who confess Christ, and who by all appearances live for Him, and we, we regard them as Christians. And so does the Apostle Paul. Verse 9, he says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. And so he gives that assurance. He gives that judgment of charity. But then he says, but you need to examine yourself. That's if. If the Spirit of God lives in you. The Apostle Paul can't, couldn't see anybody's heart. Neither can we. And it's for each of us to come before the face of God and examine our lives and to be honest with ourselves and ask that question, does the Spirit of God live in me? What's the fruit in my life? What's my control center? What drives me, motivates me, rules me? Now in Romans 7, Paul has encouraged us. He's encouraged us that just because we have a battle with sin in our lives, that doesn't mean that we're lost and that we're, we're ruled by the flesh. No, in fact, it means quite the opposite. It means that Jesus Christ has, has begun a war in our lives. That struggle is a good sign. But are you struggling? Or have you made peace with sin? If the Spirit of God lives in you, then you're not controlled by the sin nature. You should be able to see in your life that that's not the ruling. That's not the King. That's not the Lord of your life. If the Spirit of God lives in you. But if the Spirit of God does not live in you, Paul says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, and, and so what he's saying the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ. He's the Spirit of the Father. He's the Spirit of the Son. And if the Spirit is in you, then Christ is in you. And if Christ is in you, then the Spirit is in you. Because Christ and the Spirit can no longer, they can't be separated. Their work within us is intimately connected. And it takes us back to John 14 and 16. Two of, to me, two of the most amazing and beautiful chapters in the Bible. Where Jesus says to his disciples, I'm going away, I'm leaving you, and you're going to be sad, but I need you to know that this is better. 
Because now I'm with you. I'm walking with you. I'm living with you. And maybe you and I think, so I'd like to, to say from time to time, we think, oh, if only I was living in those days and I could see Jesus and I could, could walk with him and talk with him and hold his hand and, and, and learn from him. But Jesus specifically tells his disciples, I'm leaving, I'm going away, and you're going to be sad, but this is to your advantage because now I'm with you. But when I ascend to heaven, I ascend in glory, and I pour out my spirit, I will be in you. I will be closer to you then than I am now. So think of that. Jesus Christ is closer to us now than he was with his disciples when he walked with them. He is in us. He says, I will come to you. And then he says, that coming will be the Spirit. So the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ who dwells in Christ now also dwells in us so that Christ is with us by the Spirit. That's a mystery. But this is the mystery of the Trinity. Three persons, one God. Three persons who mutually indwell one another perfectly so that when we look at the three, we we see the one, but when we look at the one, we see the three, and we can't separate them, and yet they are distinct persons, and so Christ lives in us by the Spirit. And he says, this is the way of life. This is what gives life. Nicodemus, Jesus said, flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of heaven. You can't get into the kingdom on your own, in your own strength, depending upon yourself. You need to be born again from above. You need the Holy Spirit to come and do a whole new work and initiate a whole new life. Turn your eyes to the Lord Jesus hanging on the cross to open your eyes to see Him with a new heart so that you love Him and savor Him. Only the Spirit can do that work. And if Christ is in you, says the Apostle Paul, and here's the way of life, Your body is dead because of sin. You're all going to be buried in the ground. These bodies wear out because of Adam's sin and because of our sin with him. We are all subject to death. Your body is dead because of sin, but your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And here I want to correct the NIV. I don't like to do this. It's not my favorite thing to do when I'm going through a version, but I believe with all my heart, this is not the spirit, lowercase s. This is not my human spirit. No, this is meant to be, yet the spirit is life because of righteousness. The spirit in you is your life because of the righteousness of Christ. Because He died on the cross and earned your forgiveness. He died on the cross so that you are now by faith in Him clothed with His righteousness. He has now also given you His Spirit who has initiated a new life in you. You are forgiven and now you are being transformed. Your body is going to die, but inwardly you are alive. You have fellowship with God. Something that no one can ever take away. To be estranged from God, to be separated from Him, that is death. To have communion with God, this is life. And that is the Spirit who lives in you and I. And if He lives in you, if the Spirit of Him, verse 11, 
who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. So as Jesus was raised from the dead by the Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit of Christ lives in us. So that's our guarantee that one day, not only are we now made alive spiritually, but one day we will be given new bodies. He will raise these bodies to life and body and soul we will dwell in that new creation where everything is set right again. That is the way of life. And here's the promise then held out in the gospel. You have forgiving grace, but you also have transforming grace. The transforming life of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. You're not only forgiven at the cross through, a, through Christ's blood, but you also have new life in the empty tomb in the power of the Spirit who raised Christ from the dead in triumph. Now He lives in you. He is Christ in you. That means, finally, Paul says, you must choose life. You must. If you will enter the new creation, if you will attain to eternal life, you must choose life. It's like Moses standing on the border of Canaan and he's crying out to the children of Israel. And he says, see, I have set before you today life and good Death and evil. He says, choose life. That both you and your descendants may live. That you may love the Lord your God. That you may obey His voice. And that you may cling to Him. For He is your life and the length of your days. And that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Choose life. Verses 12 and 13. Therefore, brothers. Paul speaks very personally and lovingly. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. That is, we have a debt. We owe something. But it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Paul is very pointed he says, now you have that choice. Because you still have the sin nature living in you. You do and I do. But you are a new creature in Christ. You have the Spirit living in you. Choose life. Choose the way of the Spirit. We still have this awful capability of choosing the sinful flesh. Of carrying on with our gossip. Or still going to that internet site. Or still choosing anger and hatred. Choosing the grudge. Of choosing sin. Of, of, of staying with it and sticking with it. And, and not doing what we need to do to kill it. And now we can't do any of this in our own strength. It's not a matter of pull up your bootstraps. Do better. You know, stop it. That, that's pointless. That's helpless. Because we are helpless in ourselves in our flesh in our natural man but the point Paul's been making is that's not who defines who you are anymore it is Christ by his spirit who lives in you work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who is at work within you to will and to do according to his good pleasure 
The Spirit lives in you. So press on. You have choice. You have your sin nature. And as Chris Lundgaard in his book, The Enemy Within, so helpfully puts it, he says, you have a sumo wrestler living in you called the sin nature. And you can feed it. You can feed it by choosing sin, by what you see, by what you say, by what you do, by where you go, and what you, the, the life of the mind that you choose where nobody else is. You can feed that sumo, and you can make him strong until he takes over your life. Or you can starve him and kill him. You can cut out that eye. You gouge out the eye, cut off the hands. You can beat that sumo wrestler into submission. Now in this life, sometimes we're running, sometimes we're walking, most of the time we're limping and we're bloody and we're bruised. We are smoldering wicks and bruised reeds. We are the man of Romans 7 or the woman of Romans 7, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me? That's where we spend a lot of our time Acknowledging that. But this is the point Paul is making. It's not that it's always easy. It's not that we're always doing so well. But it's the question of where are you headed? What is the direction? Are you on that road? Are you fighting that battle? Because there's no middle ground. You're either in the flesh or you're in the Spirit. You're either ruled by the Spirit. And you're killing sin. Uh, sometimes, you know, one step forward and two steps back. But it's a lifelong struggle. And Paul's point is you must be. You must be killing sin because if you're not, that's the way of the sinful flesh and that leads to death today and into eternity. But if you choose the battle and you choose to partake in the means of grace to hear the gospel, to put yourself in the, before God in his word, to seek him in prayer, to seek the fellowship of believers, the spirit, those are his means. That's what he uses. That's not just trite things that pastors say. That's the way the spirit works. And we'd lay hold of those things, but it also takes, it also takes activity and sweat to wake up in the morning and to choose by the power of the Spirit within us to say, and I will fight that sin. I will guard this mind and I will do what I need to do to cut this out of my life because eternity is at stake. It is life, it is death. So choose life. And ultimately, again, it's not our own strength. It is Christ. Christ our forgiveness and the Spirit of Christ, our Renewer and our life. You confess your sin and you come to the Lord Jesus and you pray for His Spirit. That's the way of reliance upon the Spirit. Come to Him. He desires your salvation far more than you do. Amen.